Would you stand with me? You know, this is Valentine's Day. It doesn't always fall on Sunday, but it happened too this year. And as I was uh, coming in this morning, I thought, what a great fitting way to honor the Lord, but just to tell Him how much we love Him. So let's, let's do that, would you? Can you just tell Him, Lord, I love you. And for some of you, you might have to do that by faith. Maybe you're watching online and you're just not sure, but just do it. Just say, Lord, I love you, and just see what He does with you in response. So, Heavenly Father, we, <laughs> we love you. On this Valentine's Day, we want you to know that. Lord, we're indebted to you. We thank you for all that you've given us, your creation, Lord, for us, how you've created us, these bodies, these images of you, the Imago Dei, Lord, we wouldn't be here without you. We're indebted to you. And we just want to say, I love you. I love you, Lord. You are an amazing God. And we just, on this Valentine's Day, want to lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Lord, you have paid the ultimate sacrifice that we might have life and life in abundance. For that, we say thank you and we love you. Hallelujah. Now bless the remainder of this service, Lord, as only you can. We ask that you would infiltrate our hearts. If there's any darkness in us, Lord, shine a light on it. Help us to deal with it, to leave here different than we came in, to leave different than when we first tuned in. Lord, we love you and we honor you with this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. You know, it's a little bit different. Uh, we, we, I feel like, hopefully, we're coming out of this thing and people are uh, uh, getting inoculated or whatever they call it. Uh, hopefully, that's going to help somewhere. Um, but it seems like the numbers are dropping with COVID and we're uh, able to come together again. And somebody said this morning, man, it seems like the regular flu just disappeared. <laughs> That's kind of a joke, but not really. Um, so this morning, and, and I, I don't even want to do this, but this brother has been... Uh, a part of this church for a long time, and not just out there in the pew doing ministry, but on our board as an elder. And uh, if I could, what, would Brian and Colleen come on up here? So, we got two for one when Brian met Colleen. But when he was first here, it was just Brian, and uh, we accepted him just like he was, <laughs> and he accepted us just like we were, which was the great fit. And Brian, we wanted to honor you today with this uh, clock, and it says, uh, Honoring Brian Jurgensen for 15 years service on the Mount Hope Church Board, 2005 to 2020. 
And uh, this is our gift to you. Thank you. And you can't eat that, so there's something in there that'll help. Uh, yeah, just a card. And at this time, if it's okay with you, uh, I asked our uh, leaders if they would come up, our, our intercessors as well. Uh, we would just like to pray for you guys, if that's okay. And, and here, I, I know I got that out. Now what do you do with it? You'll figure it out? All right. <laughs> Would you stand and extend a hand one more time here? Father God, as difficult as this is, because this brother uh, who has been with us for 15 years on our board, Lord, and such an asset as an elder, as a leader, Lord, uh, we're going to miss that part of Brian, and uh, I don't think they know what's next, but Lord, we just pray that you would just guide them, Lord, as only you can. You would show them the way. That the doors that need to be open would be open so wide that they wouldn't be able to miss it. And the ones that shouldn't be open would be closed so tight they couldn't open them. And Lord, we want to honor this man today with our prayers and our blessings, Lord. And we just speak blessings over Brian, over Colleen, Lord. Bless them richly for all they do for your kingdom, for what they've done and what they'll continue to do even in the long term. Lord, whatever is next, may you uh, keep them safe, Lord. Keep them strong. Keep them faithful. We pray this all in your precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I love you. I really do. Thank you. That's... That gift card, uh, I, have to, I have to tell him this. So there's a, an IOU in there, so you can't go today. Okay. So, you know, when you try to order something with this COVID thing going on, it's hard to get these things. And I had to order it online, and they're mailing it to us, so I didn't get it yet. So you'll get it as soon as I get it. But it says it in there. I shouldn't have said anything, but... My wife's going to go, why did you even say anything? I says, because that's just the kind of guy I am. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm on and I'm not going anywhere. Can you help me with that, John? There we go. So if you were here, uh, I believe it was the 24th of January, uh, what is my purpose? What would you have me do? That is a question that all of us need to discover when it comes to the call of God. What is my purpose? What would God have me do? Today I'm going to be, begin part two of this, and, and I don't know how long this is going to last. This topic, I think, will change how we look, how we act, how we see each other uh, if we get a hold of this idea. God has a call on each one of us. First, he calls us into his kingdom. And we say yes to Jesus through salvation, th through the cross, by applying that blood to our sins, and he makes us clean through his righteousness. How many are grateful for that? But then there's another call, a specific call. 
Every single one of us are made for a specific duty, something we're supposed to do. And it's not God's place to figure out what that is. He already knows. It's our place. So as you listen to this message today, ask the Lord, what is my purpose? What do you have for me to do? I have a, quote, I have a few quotes here today, but I, I wanted to quote this out of, uh, this book really helped me understand this, but Oz Guinness wrote the book called The Call, and in it he said this, he said, our purpose, our life purpose, comes from two sources at once who we are created to be, and who we are called to be. And that's kind of what I just said. Going along with this, uh, in his journal, Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, I almost said Kierkegaard, but it's not Kierkegaard, he said this, the thing is to understand myself. What God really wants me to do. The thing is to find a truth which is true for me to find the idea for which I can live and die. Now that's a, that takes a, that's, a, that's a meaty statement right there, right? But how many of us actually think about this kind of thing? Or many of us, and, and again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I fit myself into this. We put our life on cruise, and we just keep going. And we never ask these questions. Lord, what's my purpose? Why am I here? There's got to be something you want to do with me. Many people struggle with this idea. In times past, coming to grips with who you were, who you were destined to become, wasn't a big deal because it was life and death every day. Even going back a century ago. Life was a lot more difficult. However, because our easy lives have made us who we are today, I'm going to say that again, our easy lives have made us who we are today. You know what I'm saying here? Western civilization has it easy. Now, I had, I had a professor recently ask me who wasn't a part of the AG, she said, how come the assembly is taking such huge steps in, in the world? We're at almost 70 million now, adherents. And a couple of the students said it, it's because these people need God to survive. In Africa, in South America, they don't have the easy street we have. When their job ends whether it's COVID or the government or some other reason, just goes away, they starve. There's nobody there to pick them up and, and pay them $600 or $1,000 a week. Their life is not easy. Therefore, they are forced, if you will, to look up. He's their source. He is their provider. And I think that really does affect us, sometimes in a negative way. Again, quoting Oz Guinness, he said this best. He said, 
I'm losing it again, Jen. Next slide. The trouble is that as modern people, we have too much to live with and too little to live for. I want to repeat that. The trouble is that as modern people, we have too much to live with and too little to live for. Let this sink in for a minute. And, and I, again, I'm not beating up on capitalism. I love America. <laughs> I love where I grew up. I love where I'm living now. But I believe this, that sometimes the things can keep us from God's best. It doesn't have to, but it can. So I would encourage you as we continue through this series, however long it goes, because I'm really relying on the Holy Spirit here, spend time reflecting on who you are so that you, along with me, so that we can get the heart of God and discover our true purpose. If what Oz and Soren both said is true, and I believe it is, then everything we are, everything that makes us who we are. How many had a, a tough childhood? Raise your hand. All right? How many had it pretty easy? Okay. How many, yeah, maybe I'm in the middle somewhere. That'd probably be me. I had my hand up the first time. but Our past has made us who we are today. We are those people that God wants us to be. We're not going to become them. God has already worked in us to get us to this place. And here's what I think. I think too often what happens is, is we think, oh, well, i got to go to that Bible study. Oh, i got to go to that prayer meeting before I get whatever from God, before I can do whatever God wants me to do. You're already ready. Your life doesn't take God by surprise. He knows you inside and out. The Bible says he's counted the hairs on our head. He understands you intimately, and you are exactly the person he needs you to be today. So you don't have to go there, is what I'm trying to say. We are who we are as a result of our culture, our language, our gender, our size. You know, your size can make a difference. I had a, a best friend growing up. He was an excellent basketball player. But he, he topped out at about 5'9". And then all of a sudden, in, in senior year, the senior year, you know, the other kids phew, were 6'3", 6'4". And the coach, he's still on the team, but uh, he didn't play as much because he couldn't get the height. And those guys would just steal the ball from him every time. There are some things you can't do, but there are other things that a smaller person can do. Do you get what I'm trying to say there? Our language, gender, size, upbringing, whether one is rich or poor, whether we live in a multicultural neighborhood or not, these things all contribute to who we are as a person. Some of the things I'm saying may be redundant, but listen. God's been telling us this for a long time, and we've not been listening. We've not been applying the message. It's time, folks. Nobody here is by mistake. Your past 
drives your destiny. Without saying it, that means that the blessings and the hurts make you who you are. So when you think about, and how many like to think about the pains in your past? Not a hand going up here. I'm guessing it's the same out there on, in cyberspace. We don't like to look at the things that caused us pain, and yet some of those things were more instrumental in making us who we are today than all the blessings combined. So pain isn't always a bad thing. Understanding where you came from will help you discern where God wants to take you. Understanding where you came from will help you discern where God wants to take you. And and by the way, discern, I'm saying that you and I need to figure out what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. What are our likes? What are our dislikes? And as we go through this process, we're actually going to be providing some different tests that you can take to help you with your personality, to help you find your spiritual gifts. But that'll come uh, down the road a little bit. But right now, what I want you to focus on intimately with God is just to say, what is my purpose? What is it that you want me to do? To do this, you have to examine yourself. Now hear this. God will not ask you to do something that he has not already put in you. Does that make sense? God's not going to, if you've never preached a day in your life, God's not going to tell you tomorrow that you need to get up there at Mount Hope Church and preach next Sunday. That's not how he works. But if you've been prepared all your life, to do this, then he might. But he's not going to ask you to do something that he didn't put in you first. That young man that wanted to be a basketball player, he was hoping to go college, maybe lead to some scholarships, but because of his size, it didn't happen. God didn't put it in him. God didn't make him 6'4 or 6'5". You cannot give what you do not have. Have you heard that before? It's got to be in there first. And what I'm trying to get you to see is this. As much as it's important that we figure out what we're supposed to do, it's equally important to figure out what we're not supposed to do. Because that kind of checks off the list. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So what aren't you supposed to do? A lot of us need to start there. And it'll help you to get to that place to figure out what God really wants you to do. There are times when God gives us supernatural gifts. Uh, We're going to talk about Moses a little bit, and this part isn't in there, but, you know, when Moses went to God and and said, I can't speak. Well, God actually gave him, he, t- he touched him supernaturally to help him with that. He also said, Aaron, your brother will speak for you. But 
he touched Moses supernaturally. He anointed him for this task. Sometimes God will do that with you supernaturally. So I don't want to eliminate that variable because that can happen. But more often than not, it's what God's already put in you that he uses. It's what you went through in your past that prepares you for your future. I don't know if this is resonating with you, but I hope it is because I really trust and believe that God wants to do the supernatural in this church, in our community, even in the world, but it's going to require us to figure out what we're supposed to do. We can't have sideline Christians anymore. The days are drawing close. That trumpet could blast tomorrow. It could, it could blast in the next few seconds. We're going to heaven, hopefully. But what about the ones left behind? We need to do everything we can, church, to reach the lost. And that's only going to happen if we figure out what God created us to do. This week I want to look at uh, the life of Moses. Examine how the Lord prepared him. And I already said this, but what you're going to see with this statement is it's going to come to pass in the life of Moses. In Exodus 2, we see that Moses was developed from infancy to become the leader God needed him to be. If if you remember the story, uh, the Pharaoh was about to kill all the Hebrew babies, the firstborn sons, and his mother, I believe, got the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and put her son, Moses, into a basket and then waited for one of the princes, princes, Pharaoh's daughter, to come down to the edge of the water, and then she kind of just pushed him out. And he came floating around the reeds, and of course the Pharaoh's daughter saw the little baby and said, oh, isn't he cute? We always do that, right? Oh, isn't he cute? Last night, little Paige was in here. We're, we, we had game night last night. It was a blast. Sorry you missed it if you weren't here. And uh, <clears throat> Sherry Lynn was a little ruthless with one game, but no, I'm just messing with you. That was a blast. Um, but little Paige, man, she was just running all over the place, well, crawling all over the place. And I couldn't help. Every time I saw her, I smiled. That's what babies do. And I have a feeling that this prince, S, saw this little baby and just, ooh. And she took him, took him in. In his book, A Work of Heart, Reggie McNeil said that from his earliest moments, Moses would have a sense of destiny cultivated in him. From his earliest moments. Now, I I hear sometimes from different people that, yeah, I think this is what God's going to do with me. But I don't hear it enough. As Christians, and, you know, if you're a grandparent or a parent, help your children. Look for the things that are positive in them. The, the different attributes that God's already put in them, emphasize those. Help them to see it. You need to guide them. That's your, 
parents, grandparents, that's our job. To help our children to see what God has called them to do or to be. And I think too often we just let them just go. Go watch TV. Maybe we ought to spend time with them, praying with them, and helping them to discover what their calling is. Because if we wait until they're young adults, then they go off to college, and then they hear all the fun stuff there, that was being facetious. All the ungodly stuff there that draws them away from the Lord, not to Him usually. It's too late. Then they got to deal with all that. So put it in them, young. Help them discover what their giftings are. You'd be amazed at how this will help our kids. So here we have Brother Moses. Pharaoh was going to kill all these little babies, and Moses was spared. He should have died, but he was spared. This is found in Exodus chapter 2. But God. Say that with me. But God. My life would not be where it is today, but God. I'd be a wreck. I, I might not even be here today, but God. Jesus showed up at my door, and he changed me from the inside out. But God. So he spared this little baby for a purpose. He miraculously, and I don't know if you know this, he miraculously ensured that Moses' mother was allowed to nurse him. Now, I don't know how long. I'm guessing at least three years, probably. Back then it was a little bit longer. But they needed a nursemaid, and hey, I, I, I. And the princess said, okay. So he lived with her for the first few years. How cool is that? God had a plan and a destiny for this little guy. A miraculous destiny. And then as an Egyptian prince, Little Moses running around the pyramids, getting in trouble, I'm sure, like most boys today. They would have trained him. They would have trained him in the finer art of defense, self-defense. They would have trained him in the art of weaponry. They would have trained him on how to study the stars in the sky to be able to tell where you were, especially living in the desert. He would have been educated in all of the Egyptian studies, which at that time was some of the best in the world. He would have understood their culture. Very important today to understand. And this is something that I'm learning in school is the culture that we live in, if we don't understand it, it's like you're talking a different language. You know, I hear some of these young rappers, and I, I hear the words, but they don't make any sense to me because I don't understand that culture. So whoever you're going to minister to, that's a big part of it is understanding their culture. And it, like I said, God's not going to put you somewhere where he hasn't already put it in you. 
Little Moses certainly would have understood the culture enough to be able to go to the Pharaoh one day and say, let my people go. At 40, one might think that God would have been finished with this man's education, (laughs) but he was not. As recorded in Exodus 2, Moses saw an Egyptian slave master beating his slave, and it bothered Moses so much that when nobody was looking, he went and killed the guy. Now, God doesn't necessarily condone this, and it caused some real issues for Moses. He went and buried the guy in the sand, and then the next day he came back and he saw a couple of the slaves fighting. And Moses goes, hey, you two, knock it off. You shouldn't be fighting like that. And one of them looks at him and goes, oh, what, you're going to kill us too? Uh Uh-oh, they know. So what did Moses do? Ran. (laughs) He was afraid. He ran for his life. He didn't know what to do, so he ran into the desert. McNeil in his book pointed out how Moses must have been conflicted, confused. He was raised as an Egyptian prince, yet somehow he felt drawn to these Hebrew slaves. There was more to this than he really understood at the time. So he fled into the desert. On the surface, it might appear that Moses was finished. His his career, if you will, was done. But in actuality, he was just running into the hands of God where the Lord was going to do some more teaching. You know, sometimes, even at a later age in life, God will teach us. It doesn't have to be a master's program. Listen, we learn a lot from life, from experience. I don't know what he's doing in your life today, but look for those cues. What's the Lord doing in your life right now? What's he preparing you for? What's next on your horizon? You know, I I said this tongue-in-cheek the last time I preached. That if you're still here, you still have a purpose. Because if you didn't have a purpose, then you might as well just just lay down and say, come and get me. God doesn't waste his time. So I don't care how old you are. You 40, 50, 60, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, you still have breath, God's not done. And don't think that he can't teach you at 80. Moses, hello. But God, God used the next 40 years of Moses' life educating him for what he would face next. Now, the rest of this, it's kind of cool, really. So he runs into the desert thinking that he's escaping that old life. And he runs into the hands of these seven, I'm just going to call them beautiful, for seven daughters, all right? They're taking their father's herds up to get watered at the well. And Moses is watching them when these thug shepherds, a bunch of them, they start running the girls off. Get out of here, 
You don't have any business here. We're here. Well, Moses saw that, and what does he do? You want a piece of this? Pick on somebody your own size. And he ran those guys off. So the girls were able to water their sheep. And when they got home, they could not wait to tell their dad, who happened to be a a Midianite priest. Later, he would be known as Jethro, but for right now, he was a Midianite priest who had seven daughters. And you know what he said to his daughters? Where is the man? Go invite him to dinner. Well, you think he was hungry? He'd been running for his life. Absolutely. If I can get a dinner call, I'm there. So Moses goes back to Jethro's house. They have dinner. And in the process, and you know the Bible, it, it can be weeks, it can be months, it can be a year. But in the process, Jethro said to Moses, hey, I want you to have my daughter Zipporah. Zipper for short. Well, they didn't have zippers back there, back, back then, so it wouldn't have meant anything. But how about Zippy? <laughs> Zippy. I want you to take Zippy and be your wife. Well, what did that do? It ensured that Moses wasn't going anywhere. That Moses would be this man's son who would help him raise his sheep and so on. And he spent the next many years in the employment, I mean, helping his father-in-law. And he had children. And it was a great life. But God. But God. Here's what I want you to see. Moses had been introduced to all the Egyptian gods. Little G. Now, this Midianite priest had introduced him to all his gods, little g. But something was going to happen. He was about to meet the God, capital G. Not in a normal way. God introduced himself to Moses through the burning bush. And you read this in Exodus chapter 3. Now I want to ask you a question. You're watering your sheep, you're walking along, and a bush starts speaking to you. What would you do? What did I eat? Did I get into them rascally mushrooms again? That's an old joke from the 70s. Never mind. (laughs) The bush starts speaking to Moses! Moses! And he's like, uh, I'm here. And he looks at this bush, and it's burning, but it's not burning. <laughs> it would wig me out. I'd run. I'm just saying. Maybe you're, you're a better man or woman than I am, but I, I just I don't think I could have handled that. And not only did the bush call out his name, but then he said this. He said, Moses, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. 
And I, I mean, my voice is probably nothing like the thunderous voice of God or whatever he heard there. Moses, okay, okay, they're off, they're off. What happened? Moses just met the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He just met this God, capital G, and he found out he's different than all those little G gods. This God requires holiness. He requires respect. And now Moses is introduced to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has met Yahweh. Hallelujah. And what happens next? He starts to tell Moses, I have prepared you for such a time as this. I want you to go to the Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Now it's not bad enough that God asked this of Moses. But he also was told to take the elders with him. Think about it. Brian, I come to you as a criminal. I've been out 40 years taking care of my dad's sheep, my stepfather, stepdad's sheep, my father-in-law's sheep. I'm going to get that right. And you know my background. And I say, hey, God just told me I'm supposed to go to the Pharaoh and he wants you to come with me, and we're going to tell him to let our people go. <laughs> Would you even begin to trust me? You wouldn't even today, probably. Think about it. Those men would look at Moses and go, what? I ain't going with you. That dude would put me on a stake. It doesn't say whether they went or not. I don't know if they did. Aaron went, but it doesn't say whether the leaders went. The elders. That's kind of just a funny. Doesn't have anything to do with my message. <laughs> Moses, this whole time, was in God's hand. But he didn't even know it. Now he's met him. Now the real relationship begins. and You know how it goes. He goes up on the mountain for 40 days. and Pretty cool stuff happens. He comes down. He's glowing. I mean, God really got a hold of this man's heart. But it didn't start at the mountain. It started in the basket when he was a little boy, a baby. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Think about your own life today. How your upbringing has made you who you are. The little things that you went through as a child or as a teen or as a young adult. You know, those, those are the things that often help us to do battle later in our lives because we've already gone through something similar. Those are the kinds of things God uses. Hallelujah. 
I've heard people say this, that they were robbed of opportunity as a result of their childhood. That they wouldn't amount to anything because of how they were raised. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're here watching online. Maybe you're in this audience. And you felt that way. That, you know, you were so beat up as a young person. And I agree that how we are nurtured, it does affect us. Sometimes severely, but not always in the way that one might expect. Consider how God uses our lives. And this is what I'm asking you to examine as we go through this series and, and just to say, Lord, what's already in me that you want to use? I don't care. I've been around some really crusty people, hard-hearted people. But you know what? Some of those people have the softest hearts if you get to know them. And if, if that's you, God can use that. You just have to put yourself in the potter's hand and let him do what only he can do. And stop making excuses. Now, this is what I wanted to share, and, and I hope that it, it resonates with you as it did with me. It's like a tree that's been planted, and, and, and it's been put in the, the best soil. It's got the right amount of sunlight. It's being watered. And you would think that that tree will always be a healthy tree, right? But will it? Will it? If everything is given to this tree and nothing, it, it never has to face inclement weather, is that tree truly healthy? And, and this is my analogy with this. A tree becomes stronger and is healthier when it must stand up to the inclement weather. And, and I love this tree, this picture, because it shows that tree has faced the elements. And look how big it is compared to the man underneath. You know, it might have kind of a, a funny shape to it, but I want to tell you what, what's underground is strong. Because when those droughts came, what happened? Its roots had to go deeper to find the water. When those winds blew against it, guess what? It had to send its root system out farther to undergird the base of the tree and all of the canopy above. A tree that never has to face inclement weather, bad weather, whatever you want to call it, harsh weather. Is it really healthy? Because the day the big winds come, that tree's roots are going to just be just enough into the ground because it's always had water. You see where I'm going with this? Look at this in a, a people perspective. There's a similar truth with people. Suppose the parents, and, and I'm, I'm not here today to get on anybody about how you parent. I just wanted to make this point. Suppose that 
everything is done for the child. That that child never has to face any harsh realities or, as I call it, bad weather. In that case, they can become weak, unprepared to deal with what will come at them. And listen, life is going to come at them. How old are you? 16. Have you faced any kind of stuff in your life that's been tough? Yeah. Would you agree with me that life can come at you without knowing? You don't know what's going to be around the next corner? Is it good to know that what to do when you face those kind of things? All right. I hope you don't mind I'm picking on you, but. If we prepare our kids to face those realities, they'll be better for it. Let them face the obstacles. We think we're doing our child a favor by protecting him or her, but are we? My suggestion is, and and I, I, I say suggestion, but I don't ever want to tell you what to do. You have to pray this through. Rather than cushioning or trying to cushion every blow, let your child go through some of these difficult things. Like the boy who was made fun of because he grew faster than the other kids. Or the daughter whose BFF told her, I don't want to be your BFF anymore. You know, it crushes these kids when they get made fun of, when they're bullied. And we have a lot of Uh, teaching out there today. The schools have really tried to combat this, as they should. But what I'm saying is sometimes these things make us stronger rather than weaker. Rather than insulating your child from the complex realities of life, help them grow from them. Cry with them. Let them know you feel their pain, but then show them how they can get their strength from God. There is no age limit on this. From the youngest to the oldest, we all need help when we have to go through these kinds of things. That's what the church is for. To help you not just to survive, but to thrive in these kinds of environments. I don't know what's going to come next, in this nation, in the world, I have no clue. Christianity could be illegal in another year. I don't know. Then what? For those who have been raised in in the uh, environments where there's been no resistance, I'm afraid for you. Because it'll be really easy for you to turn your back on God and say, I, I'm, not, I'm not wired for this. Hold fast to your faith. All of us. Teach your kids to hold fast to your faith. Don't let it go. If, if resistance comes at us, it comes at us. What we want on our lips, if it's the last breath we take, Jesus. 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 A 
parent's job is not to keep their child from all harm. It is to help them thrive amid adversity, amidst adversity. Wow, it's quiet in here. In conclusion, why don't you stand with me? You've sat long enough. I love looking at the Bible heroes of, of our faith and how God used them in miraculous, mighty ways. We might not be asked to lead millions of people into a desert and have to guide them for 40 years, but I want you to think about this. How was Moses able to do that? He had just spent 40 years with his newfound father-in-law who taught him how to be a nomad, how to thrive in the desert. That wasn't by coincidence. God had a plan for Moses. He prepared him for such a time as that. Moses didn't know it until the bush spoke to him, until God spoke to him through the bush. But at that point, I'm sure as it does with many of us, as he looked back on his life, he realized, wow, <laughs> God put that in me there. 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 And I'm ready for today to do what he wants me to do. You are a masterpiece. You are who God designed you to be. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. A plan not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you life and a future. But you've got to figure this out. Ask this question, what did God make me for? What does he want me to do? And finally, how has my past helped my present and how will who I am now help me reach my God-given destiny, whether that's today or tomorrow? Nothing is by chance in the kingdom of God. We're all guided by providence. God has us, even many of us, before we knew the Lord. I was going to share this earlier. Barb and I didn't know Jesus in the infancy of our marriage. And yet he kept us together long enough until we had that burning bush moment. And, and we, we fought it out almost every day. <laughs> Woohoo! Like a cougar and a lion, man. Or I guess a cougar and a lion are the same thing, but maybe a different analogy. A bear and a lion, how's that? Like a bear and a lion, we fought it out for that first four and a half years. We loved each other. God put us together. I believe this. God put us together. And he used a bottle of wine to do it. Before I knew Jesus, 
I don't drink anymore, but I did then. And he used a bottle of wine to get us together. I think statute of limitations is over, but she helped me get a bottle of wine late at night. If somebody had said to us back then in our early 20s, <laughs> someday, someday you two are going to be pastors. <laughs> I would have said, you're nuts. I would have said some other things too because my vocabulary was short. Four letter words. But God knew. <laughs> God knew us then. And he kept us. He kept us from hurting ourselves until Jesus, that burning bush moment, what do I have to do to be saved? And Barb followed three weeks later. She said, I don't know what happened to him, but I like it. That miserable old person, he's, he's, he's different. He shows me respect. He loves me. Something she hadn't seen because of Jesus. And it all came together. And here we are today in the ministry over 30 years. Of, I'm telling you, it's all God but God. <laughs> what does he want to do with you? And don't think you got to be a full-time pastor for God to use you. Please don't go there. I started last time with this fact that whatever your vocation is, God is going to use that to reach people for Him. You're going to be that voice in the wilderness to somebody, maybe to many. You just have to be open to it and asking, Lord, what is my purpose? What did you make me to do? How has my past made me who I am today? in order to fulfill my God-given destiny. Lord, we are here today once again because of you. And I, I pray and I trust that you will do what only you can do, Lord, the supernatural in our lives. That you will guide us into our destiny. What is it that you have for this people? Whether they're online or here in this audience, what is it that you would have us to do? By an upraised hand in this room, with everybody's eyes closed, just for a minute, let me ask you this. Do you know what your purpose is? If you do, would you lift your hand up? You know, absolutely you know. There's no question. All right, thank you. You can put them down. Now, I'm being generous. 20% raise their hand. And I'm guessing online it's going to be equally that many. That means 80%, 70-ish don't know what their call is. So we've got some work to do. And I'm here to, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that, that God will reveal this truth to you. But please, don't leave it up to me. Go to the Lord and say, what is my purpose? What have you created me to do? Would you do that with me? 
and we'll meet this next Sunday again, and we'll talk some more about this, but I, I'm here to encourage you. When we figure this thing out, hang on, church, because <laughs> when we all find our place, what it is God wants to do, oh boy, that's when revival breaks loose. That's when the Holy Spirit just implodes in the church, and I'm looking forward to that. Hallelujah. I started with this. There's a general call, a call to salvation, and I just want to make sure if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you would like me to pray with you that he would come into your life today and forgive you of your sins. If that's you, would you lift your hand up right now so I can see it? Anybody here? You need salvation. Hallelujah. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody? Hallelujah. All right. I trust there are people on the other end of this camera that are saying the same. So let's pray. If you lifted your hand, you pray this prayer just as though you are in an audience of one with Jesus standing right in front of you right now. Heavenly Father, help me to know you, to be intimate with you, and to understand your calling on my life. Today, February the 14th, 2021, I give you my heart, my life, all that I am, all that I have. And I ask you, Lord, show mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean in the blood of the Lamb and make me a new person. Today, I confess my sins and I put on that cloak of righteousness in Jesus' name. Now help me to live for you, to find my destiny. What am I made for? What did you create me to do? I love you, Lord, and I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you for coming out today. Let everybody know the church is open. Invite somebody. That'd be an awesome thing. Father, thank you again for this message. May it resonate in our spirits all week, all month, all year. May we go after this, Lord, to discover our purpose. Lord, we commit the people of the hope into your hands today. Keep everybody safe as they come and go. We pray this again in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming out. Happy Valentine's Day.